0: Welcome to a Slapshot episode of the Russian Rulers podcast. Today, Muscovite Russia, the beginnings of self-criticism and the Western influence. Again, this is part of a series uh, I'm reading from the book, A History of Russia, the 8th edition, by Nicholas V. Ryazanovsky and Dr. Mark Steinberg, who gave me permission to do so. I'd like to thank him and and also, as always, tell everybody if you're going to find a book on Russian history, this is the one. So let's go on with uh, the thinking of what's going on in uh, Russia before Peter the Great takes over. Even if we make full allowance for Muscovite enlightenment, the fact remains that in a great many ways, Muscovy lagged behind the West. Russia experienced no Renaissance and no Reformation, and it took no part in the maritime discoveries and the scientific and technological advances of the early modern period. Deficiencies became most apparent in war and in such practical matters as medicine and mining. They extended, however, into virtually every field. It should be noticed that the Muscovite government showed a continuous and increasing interest in the West and in many things that it had to offer. Muscovite society, too, in spite of all the parochialisms and prejudice, began gradually to learn from the heretics. Diplomacy constituted one obvious contact between the Muscovite state and other European countries. Although we traced the highlights of Russian foreign relations in preceding chapters, we should note here that these relations repeatedly included distant lands, such as England and Holland, as well as neighbors like Poland and Sweden, and that they dealt with many matters. For instance, an English merchant, Sir John Merrick, helped to negotiate the Treaty of Stolobovo between Sweden and Russia. Or, less happily, after the execution of Charles I, Tsar Alexis restricted English traders to Archangel, and he helped the king's son, later Charles II, with money and grain. Diplomatic correspondence published by Konovalov in the Oxford Slavonic Papers, illustrates well the variety of issues encompassed in Anglo-Russian relations. Many foreigners came to Muscovy and stayed. The number continued to increase after the first large influx in the reign of Ivan III. At the end of the 16th century, foreigners in Muscovite service could be counted in hundreds, and even thousands if we include Poles, Lithuanians, and Ukrainians. While the foreign section of the Tsar's army consisted of two and a half thousand men, the time of troubles reduced these numbers, but with the reign of Michael, the influx of foreigners resumed. In 1652, Tsar Alexis assigned them a northeastern suburb of Moscow, the so-called Nemetskaya Sloboda, or German suburb, Incidentally, and personally I find this very interesting, the Russian word for German, Nemitz derived from the Russian for dumb, nimoy. And it came to mean all Europeans except Slavs and Latins. A visitor in the 1670s estimated that about 18,000 foreigners lived in Muscovy, mostly in the capital, but also in Archangel and other commercial centers and in mining areas. The importance of the foreign community, in particular, for the economic development of the country, far exceeded its numbers, in addition to handling Russia's foreign trade, the newcomers began to establish a variety of manufacturers and industries. Sir John Merrick, already mentioned as a diplomat, concentrated on producing hemp and tow. Andrew Vinius, a Dutchman, organized the industrial processing of iron ore and built the first modern ironworks in Muscovy. A Swede established a glass factory near Moscow. Others manufactured such items as gunpowder and paper. Second-generation foreigners often proved particularly adept at advancing both the economy of Russia and their own fortunes. Foreigners also acted as military experts, physicians, and other specialists. Slowly the Russians turned to Western ways. In addition to reading and even writing secular stories, constructing Baroque buildings, and painting portraits, as indicated above, they began to eat salad and asparagus, to snuff and smoke tobacco in spite of all the prohibitions, and to cultivate roses. Western clothing gained in popularity. Some audacious persons also trimmed their hair and beards. In 1664, the Postal Service appeared. Based on a Western model, and the reign of Tsar Theodore, a proposal was advanced to deal with the poor according to the new European manner. And by the way, uh, they use the word Theodore for uh, M- Tsar uh, Fyodor, so Theodore is the Ang- Anglicanized version of the uh, name Fyodor. The stage was now set for Peter the Great. In conclusion, however it might be added that the reformers wholesale condemnation of the existing order though not highly usual also had certain precedents in the muscovite past not to mention the religious jeremiads the secular writers often complained that there was no justice in the land even when praising the muscovite form of government as in the case of perestvetov more radical critics included prince ivan Kovorstinen, who died in 1625 and has been described as the first Russian freethinker, George Krizanek and Gregory Kotoshinkin. Krizanek, a Croatian and a Catholic priest, spent 18 years in the realm of the Tsars from 1659 to 1677 and wrote there some nine books on religious, philosophical, linguistic, and political subjects. He combined an extremely high regard for Russia as the natural leader and savior of Slavdom with a sweeping condemnation of its glaring defects and, above all, its abysmal ignorance. Krizonik's writings were apparently known to the Russian ruling circles. Kotoshinkin, an official in the foreign office, escaped to Sweden in 1664 after some personal trouble. There... Before being executed in 1667 for the murder of his landlord, he wrote a sweeping denunciation of his native land. Kordoshinkin emphasized Muscovite pride, deceit, and again, the isolation and ignorance of the people. As it turned out, the system that he condemned did not long outlast him. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, we're about to embark on the life, the real life of Peter the Great coming up with his ascension this week uh, to the kind of the head of the Russian government taking over from Sofia. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, again, don't forget to uh, visit the uh, podcast site at russianrulers.podhoster.com. Become a Facebook friend and join the growing community at Russian Rulers History Podcast. And uh, don't forget to m- make a suggestion, leave a question, you know, make a comment. Uh, but as always, Dasvidanye e spesiba bolshoya.